Good morning. We're delighted that you've joined us for our service today. Best that you're doing well and enjoying God's goodness in your life. And today is Easter Sunday, and we celebrate our risen Savior. Every day for a Christian is Resurrection Day, and we thank the Lord that we do indeed serve a living Savior. Let me uh, not only welcome you to the service today, but remind you of a few things that you need to be aware of. Uh, we are doing an online service live on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have prayer and Bible study together via online service, and uh, let me encourage you to join us at 6.30 for that this coming Wednesday evening. Also, uh, this Friday at 5 o'clock, we will be having our uh, church fish fry. We have sold uh, uh, several hundred tickets uh, over the last month or so, and uh, of course we will be doing uh, uh, strictly drive-through service, so if you will, uh, in building two, come to the portico, stay in your car, there'll be somebody who will meet you there and we'll bring your food to you, you won't have to get out at all, just present the tickets and uh, we'll be glad to serve you, so please remember that this Friday, uh, at 5 o'clock, and then we'll go to uh, about 7, 7.30, serving uh, those who come through. So thank you so much for your support of uh, First Assembly and our church, and uh, may the Lord bless you so very much. Trust that you will watch our online devotions, uh, or rather our Facebook devotions. Uh, every day uh, we are posting uh, a devotion and if you'd like to study the Word of God with us, uh, check that out, and, and I'm sure that will be a source of encouragement to you. All right, well, let's begin our service this morning, if we uh, could. We're going to sing the uh, old, old song, Low in the grave he lay, Christ arose. We are celebrating his resurrection from the dead today. So would you sing that with us as we worship the Lord? <clears throat> Jesus, my Lord, up from 
the grave he arose with the mighty triumph for his foes he arose a victor o'er the dark torment and he lives forever with his saints to reign he arose he arose hallelujah christ arose death cannot keep his prey jesus into this service today. Would you just lift your hearts and hands to God and let's praise Him as we enter into His presence. Father, we worship You today. We thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus, our Savior. We thank You that He was willing to come and to die on the cross for our sins and to take them from us, never to be remembered against us again. We thank you for a living Savior. Lord, we praise you and give you thanks for the resurrection and the reality that Christ lives in us. The life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus, we have come to worship you. This is your day, and we thank you, Lord, that every day, we have privilege to fellowship your sweet, wonderful presence. Holy Spirit, come now. Touch our worship team as they sing and lift up your name. And then, Lord, during the preaching of the gospel, would you challenge men and women to come to faith in Christ and let your church be encouraged, blessed, helped, healed. And we praise you, God, for what you're going to do today in this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Join our worship team now and let's sing to the Lord.
this morning, Lord, that you chose to bear and bore every sin, every sickness, and every disease for our part, Father. And Lord, you paid a price that we could never repay ourselves. And for that, Lord, you were worthy. Lord, we thank you this morning for the gift of eternal life. Lord, we thank you, God, that through this virus and everything that's going on in the world today, the bad reports and things, God, that we can depend on you. We can depend on the report of the Lord that the cross has the final word. On that day, God, Lord, when the veil was torn, that you proved to the world then that you have the final say. You have the final say today, God. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We thank you this morning. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night. The cross has the
song and it expresses such a great and a powerful truth what Jesus did on the cross is God's last word to man we thank God that through the cross of Jesus Christ God has communicated his will his love his mercy his grace his kindness to us the cross has the final word the cross says I'm healed the cross says I'm saved the cross says that I am blessed and helped and favored of God. Yes. The cross says I have fellowship with Almighty God. Hallelujah. Phyllis, could we sing Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow? Just the chorus of that. Just before we pray. Such a beautiful song. Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Will you join us at home, wherever you may be listening today? Join with me and let's sing this just before we pray. Because He lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know. on the chorus because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know
the Lord. Because He lives, we have this wonderful privilege called prayer. And we can come to our Lord any time, any day, any moment. We approach the throne of God's grace through the precious blood of Jesus. And we find that God has a listening ear ready to hear our prayer and to attend to our cries. This morning we would ask you to continue to pray for our large cities in this COVID-19 pandemic. There are so many uh, that are sick, especially in the large cities of America. Would you intercede for them with us this morning? We continue to pray for those communities in Northeast Arkansas that have been affected by the tornadoes recently as they do their best to recoup and rebuild. We want to pray today for our missionary family and the Assemblies of God. We continue to lift up uh, Brother Thomas Carpenter and Brother Greg Mundus, two of our missionary brethren that have been so very, very ill. We want to pray today for Ronnie Nobles. We want to pray for Bev Crane today, Melton Jones and Charles Davis, Jerry Rhodes. We want to pray today for Charles Davis's granddaughter, also Linda Heflin. We want to lift up this morning Royce Bashaw in our praying and Sarah Martin as well before the Lord and so many, many others on our prayer list. Will you join with me? And let's pray today also for souls to come to Christ. Let's believe for revival in these last days that God will visit His church in a mighty move of His Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me now? Everyone, in your own way, right there where you are, call on the name of the Lord with me. Father, we come today in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. We thank You, Lord that you hear us when we pray. And Lord, I have confidence this morning that as we pray, we, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of God. Lord, we realize that you have given us precious and exceeding great and wonderful promises that by those promises we might be made partakers of the divine nature. We thank you, Lord, that you are our healer and our helper. We thank you today, Lord, that there is no sickness too great no infection too intense, no disease that uh, can grip human bodies, that the power of our God is not able to heal us. We thank you, Lord, that by the stripes on Jesus' back, what he did on the cross, let it be efficacious for us this morning. Touch us and heal us, Lord, as we loose our faith and believe our God. Lord, we believe today that you just minister and meet needs financially and in families, relationship-wise. God, we pray for the many that are out of work, oh God. We, we pray for the supernatural supply of our Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, would you just minister today and meet every need. Lord, we ask that you would send a great revival in these last days. Lord Jesus, we really believe we're looking all around us and we see the signs of the times and we understand that we're living in the closing days of this dispensation and we pray, oh God, 
that you will stir hearts toward the cross, that you will bring men to a saving knowledge. Oh, God, I pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit like rain on dry ground that will cause men to be saved and to look toward Jesus Christ as the hope of their lives. We pray this morning, Lord, that you'll just move today on this Easter Sunday as we celebrate the truth of the resurrection. I pray that many, many, many thousands of people will come, even millions will come to faith in Christ, that, Lord, you will bring a mighty, mighty harvest on this precious day of preaching. Lord, we thank you for what you mean to us, for what you've done in our lives. Comfort us during this time, Lord. There's so much that is going on around us. Lord, in our large cities, so much death, so many sick. People are overwhelmed and feeling uncertain about the future. But Lord, as we sang just a moment ago, because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you will bring great encouragement to the body of Christ and to people around the world as they look to you. We pray it in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. For his sake and for his glory, we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, thank you so much for worshiping and praying with us this morning. It is normally offering time here at First Assembly, and of course we're not able to take an uh, offering here in the campus sanctuary. But let me say first of all, thank you so much to our faithful people here at First Assembly. You have uh, helped us and continue to help us uh, by your faithful financial gifts and we just pray today your bless, uh, God's blessings upon you as you remember the house of God here at First Assembly. Let me share with you again uh, the several ways that you can give. Uh, MonticelloFirstFamily.com is our uh, website. You can go there and uh, click on the giving portal. You can download the Simply Give app and give that way. You can text and give, and let me give you that number, 870-890-4837. You can also mail your offerings to First Assembly of God, P.O. Box 473, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. Or you can drive by the church office Monday through Thursday from 9 to 4.30. Uh, we'll receive your offerings if you'd like to drop them by. Uh, we'll be glad to come out under the portico and, and uh, just honk the horn and we'll come out and you won't even have to get out of your car. So thank you so very much for your faithfulness and helping us. And we just pray today God's best blessing upon you. Could we pray and just ask God's blessing right now upon uh, your giving. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the ministry of the gospel from First Assembly here in Monticello for its many years of faithfulness to preach Jesus to this community and even to the world. 
We thank you for the missions program of our church. We thank you for the many missionary families that are being supported through monthly giving. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the opportunity to share with those who are in need through food ministries and all kinds of benevolent acts. We just pray, Lord, that you'll bless the people as they give toward the needs of the church. We thank you, Lord, for a tithe-paying people. Lord Jesus, you said that you would open the windows of heaven and communicate your supernatural supply with our human need because of the tithe. And we just believe today that you do that. And Lord, as we give offerings above and beyond the tithe, Lord, would you just multiply them in the ground of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, you said 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Those kinds of gifts would be blessed. And we just believe you today to minister and meet every need in the people's lives and in the life of your church and the work of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for remembering the church, and we appreciate you. Well, if you will take your Bibles this morning, <clears throat> turn with me, uh, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter uh, written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And he shares some very powerful truths with us there concerning resurrection. I want to preach to you this morning for a while on the subject, a world without a resurrection. What would the world look like? What would the world be like without a resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 12, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable." But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Heavenly Father, would you?
take the next few minutes of time and make them profitable to those who will hear your word and obey your gospel. I pray today, Lord, that you will speak to every heart and every life. Bring men and women to faith in Christ. Stir your church and encourage every one of us today that we serve a living Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I am sure uh, that as we contemplate this uh, wonderful day of celebration that is commonly known as Easter, it's really for the church Resurrection Sunday, the first day of the week when the angels sat there at the empty tomb and, and uh, the women came and they looked for the body of Jesus and were going to anoint it with, with myrrh and aloes. And the Bible says that the angels spoke to him and said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. As we contemplate this wonderful celebration, which is really an everyday reality, an everyday celebration that Jesus Christ is alive. I, I, I want to look at the teaching of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth as he talks about the reality of the resurrection. The entire 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is written for the purpose of, of challenging the people at Corinth to understand the truth of a bodily, physical resurrection from the dead. And, and the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, uses the negative in order to encourage the positive. He takes a lie and he reveals the lie and makes us to understand the truth. And as, as, as we do, I, I want us to, to uh, consider what the world would be like if there was no resurrection, especially in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are six tragedies that the Apostle mentions to us in the Scriptures that I've read. In verses 12 through 20 of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, six tragedies if there is no resurrection. Number one, the Apostle says preaching would be profitless. Number two, he says your faith would be foolish. Number three, he says the disciples are deceivers. Number four, he says that sin would be sovereign or reign sovereignly over us. Number five, he, would, he tells us that death then would have dominion. And number six, he tells us that the future is futile. I'm telling you this morning that Jesus Christ is alive. A lot of people probably have heard of a man named Harry Houdini. He died in October of 1926, but his claim to fame was that he was a magician and he specialized in spectacular, fantastical escapes. 
As a matter of fact, he was said to have laughed at locks, sneered at fetters. They said of Harry Houdini that he had the flexibility of an eel. He had the lives of a cat. They did all kinds of things to try to incarcerate him, to imprison him, but they would seal him in coffins, and yet he would escape. They riveted him into a boiler. He escaped. They sewed him up in canvas bags, and he escaped. They locked him in a milk can. <laughs> he escaped. They sealed him in a beer barrel, and he escaped. They put him in a maximum security prison, and old Harry somehow found a way out. But in October 1926, old man death laid his hands on Harry Houdini. And he put him in a grave, and Harry Houdini is yet to escape. As a matter of fact, he told his wife, if there is any way out, I will find it. If there is any way out, I'll make contact with you, and we'll do it on the anniversary of my death. And for ten years, she kept a light burning over his portrait. At the end of ten years, she turned out the light. Death had Harry, and he couldn't escape. Death laid his hands on the Lord Jesus Christ also. And death put Jesus in a rock-hewn tomb. And there was a stone in the mouth of that tomb, and the seal of the Roman government was placed upon that tomb. But on the third day, Jesus Christ stirred Himself, and He rose from the sleep of death, and He left those grave clothes that were wrapped around Him like a butterfly would forsake a cocoon. And Jesus Christ passed through the walls of that rock-hewn tomb. By the way, the stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away to let the disciples in so they could see that Jesus was already risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is alive. He is not behind us in a tomb he is before us on a throne. We thank God this morning that He reigns supremely. But I, I want to ask you a question. Suppose that the resurrection had not happened. Suppose death still held Jesus like it does Harry Houdini and millions others. Suppose that there had been no resurrection Sunday morning. The Apostle Paul talks about it. And I want us to see what he's talking about. He asked this question. If Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there be no resurrection of the dead, Christ is not risen. In other words, Jesus is still dead. Jesus is still in the tomb. The very first tragedy that I mentioned to you out of the six a moment ago is that preaching would be profitless. Preaching would be profitless. The word vain that is used in the King James Version, your preaching is vain, means empty, futile. It has no purpose. It is, if you will, a colossal waste of time. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends today, if there is no Easter, you and I are wasting our time by being here today. I am wasting my time by preaching, and you are wasting yours by listening. 
and we all ought to do something else. Our preaching is vain. It is futile. It is worthless. It is profitless. There is no profit in it if Christ is still in the grave. Why would that be so? Because, because friends, the heart of the gospel is this. Do you, want, do you want to know what the gospel is? The gospel is simply what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells, it is, tells us that it is. It is that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. And the Apostle Paul says that is the Gospel. And there is no preacher who can preach the Gospel unless he preaches the resurrection of Jesus. And without that preaching, preaching is profitless. And we're no more than a social club. We're no more than a gathering. We're no more than a meeting like any other club might get together. But I'm telling you this morning, preaching is not profitless. Jesus is alive. And because He is alive, our preaching can make a difference. The Bible says that preaching, it has pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that are lost. Only Jesus can make the difference. I tell you, He's alive. That makes preaching profitable. Preaching brings salvation according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, the Bible tells us that it has pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that will believe. Ephesians 3, 7 through 9 says that it brings light into darkness and it brings faith to those who will hear the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, that, that the word of faith is nigh us, even in our mouth. The word that we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So preaching would be profitless in a world without a resurrection. But because Jesus is alive, preaching is profitable. Number two, our faith would be foolish if Christ is still in the grave. Notice he goes on to say in verse 14, and your faith is vain. That is, you're trusting something that doesn't deserve your trust. You put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. Why would you do that if He is dead? It's not enough to believe that Christ died for your sins. If you don't believe that God raised Him from the dead, then your faith is vain. The Bible says that if thou shalt believe with thy heart the Lord Jesus, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart, what? That God has raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Christ died for your sins, but He was raised for your justification. If Jesus only died for our sins, that's half of the, of the process. He must be a living Savior. Dead men do not keep promises, but a living Savior watches over His Word and He brings it to pass so that Romans chapter 10, verse 13 is true. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Faith is foolish 
but only if Jesus is dead. But I tell you, Jesus is alive. And that makes faith founded. And that makes faith favored. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, but he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith moves mountains. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Jesus said, If you speak to the mountain and you do not doubt those things that you say in your heart shall come to pass, uh, you shall have whatsoever you say. He said, uh, You can speak to this mountain, be removed, and it will be cast into the sea. Faith not only pleases God and moves mountains, but faith is an anchor of the soul. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 13 through 20 tells us that hope is an anchor that holds us fast. And the, the, the essence of hope is our faith in Jesus Christ. So faith is an anchor that holds us in the midst of an uncertain world. Faith would be foolish if Jesus were dead. But Faith is founded and faith is favored because Jesus is alive. Number three, the third thing that I want to tell you today is that the disciples would be deceivers. Uh, verse 15 tells us, Yea, and we are found uh, false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. In essence, Paul is saying not only the twelve original apostles, but also himself being one born out of season, seeing Jesus on the Damascus road, alive and living, resurrected, and he calls Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul says, I want to tell you, I'd be a false witness if Jesus were dead, but I am telling you, Jesus is alive. The disciples would be deceivers only if Jesus was dead. But I tell you, Jesus is alive. That makes the disciples not deceivers, but that makes the disciples credible. Forty-seven times in the Gospel of John, the word witness or testify or testimony is used by the beloved apostle. In other words, he was saying, I am an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. Twenty times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels, the word witness or testify is used concerning the resurrection of Jesus. Twenty-nine times in the book of Acts, the word testimony or testify or witness is used in the Scriptures. In other words, those who saw Jesus after He had died and was resurrected. They saw the living Christ. We have a, a, a total of, of uh, almost 90 times in the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit says these men saw the living Savior. We are told in the uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that 500 witnessed His ascension back into heaven. 1 John 1 and verses 1 through 4, let me read it to you. That which was from the beginning, John the beloved apostle is writing, and he says, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon 
and our hands have handled or touched the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And we bear witness and show unto you that the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. What is He telling us? He's telling us we saw the Son of God. We handled Jesus. Like Thomas, we put our fingers into that riven side. We touched the nail prints in His hands and in His feet. We have handled the Word of God. Listen, friend, the disciples were not deceivers. Uh, They were convinced and credible that Jesus was alive. Many may live for a lie. None will die for a lie. The apostles were martyred, every last one of them, but the apostle John lived to be an old man. Every one of the other apostles died an early death because they were martyred for the witness of Jesus Christ. Friend, people do not die for a fake. People do not die for a facade. People do not die for a lie. But they were convinced they had seen the Lord and they were willing to give their lives and be faithful even unto death. Number four, the Bible says if there were no Easter, if there were no resurrection, if Christ is still in that grave, not only would all those things be true, but the fourth thing is that sin would be sovereign. In other words, sin would have power and control over every life. If Christ is still in the grave, there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness of sin. There is no change of life. In verse 17, listen to what it says, that if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins. What does that mean? Friends, that means that if Christ is still dead, That means that God did not accept the payment for your sin. The blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary was not efficacious. It did not wash your sins away. God did not take it as payment in full for the sins of the world. And there is still an outstanding debt against us. uh, And we are all sinners uh, condemned to die and be lost forever separated from God because of our sin. But you see, when God raised Jesus up from the dead, it was proof positive that full payment for our sin had been made. Paul says it like this, He was delivered up for our offenses. In other words, He died for our sins, but He was raised for our justification. What that means is He died for our sins, but that's incomplete until God raised Him from the dead, delivered for our offenses, raised for our justification we shout this morning hallelujah because sin has been defeated sin is sovereign only if Jesus is dead but I tell you Jesus is alive that makes the problem of sin solved the penalty of sin has been solved the Bible says in Romans 6.23 well let's go back to Romans 3.23 all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that means all of us have a sin problem. And sin is going to separate us from God. Listen to what Romans 6.23 says. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that when Jesus died and then He was raised from the dead as proof of God's acceptance of His shed blood as a remedy for our sin, the penalty of sin, separation from God, uh, a punishment in Gehenna fire, that was, that was solved. God has paid the penalty for our sin the weight of our sin that was laid upon Jesus and He died a substitutionary, vicarious death for all of us. He took your sins and He paid the penalty for your sins. Romans 6.14 says He not only paid the penalty of sin, but He has broken the power of sin. Paul writes to the church there in that powerful theological treatise in chapter 6 and 7, and he says, sin shall not have dominion over you. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died for your sins and He took the penalty of your sins so you wouldn't have to die. He also broke the power of sin so that we could live righteously. He gives us a new nature. Oh, thank God, salvation comes to us. And when salvation comes into our life, the Holy Spirit begins to change us and make us into the likeness of Jesus. And the things we used to love, we don't love anymore. And the places we used to go, we don't go anymore. There's a change in our life. There is a transformation. We become living sacrifices and we renew our minds uh, and we're transformed from this world into that new creature, into the likeness and image of Christ. So the power of sin is broken. And then thirdly, sin has been solved. The penalty of sin has been paid. The power of sin has been broken. And the presence of sin, one day we will be delivered from it. As long as we live in this world, as human beings, we will have to rub shoulders with a sin-benighted world. But I'm telling you, the day is coming when we are going to be cause of Jesus, because of a living Savior. We are going to be translated into His presence out of this world, and there we will be delivered from the presence of sin. The penalty of sin has been paid. The power of sin has been broken, and the presence of sin is coming, the day will come when we will be delivered from it. Fifthly, I'm telling you, the tragedy, if there were no resurrection, the fifth tragedy is that death would have dominion over us. Verse 18 says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In other words, those who have died in faith, they have perished. There is no eternal life. There is no hope of heaven. There is no deliverance or victory over death. Your mother, your father, your children, your loved ones, they are dead and gone. You'll never see them again. They are in the grave and their bodies will decay and go back to dust. That's it. It's over. It's ended. Death is one and life is a colossal bad dream. Are you going to ask me to believe that the intelligence that created this universe intends for it all to run down into the grave? That we are born crying, 
live complaining and then we die disappointed. That's all there is. I mean, all we can hope for, any of us, is to get sicker and sicker and sicker until we die. And then it's just all ends in a veil of tears and we rot and decay in the ground. That's it. I'm supposed to believe that. I'm telling you, if there were no resurrection, that's the way it would be. But because Jesus is alive. Somebody shout, He's alive this morning. Jesus is alive. And because He's alive, death is defeated. Christ took the keys of death and hell. Revelation chapter 118, John sees Him on the Isle of Patmos in that vision. He's in the very tabernacle temple of the heavenlies. And He's wearing that white garment of the high priest. And He's ministering before the incense altar and keeping the candles lit and ministering to the churches and he says, I am he that was alive and was dead, but I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. I'm telling you this morning, death would have dominion over us if Jesus were dead, but we serve a living Savior. He's resurrected. He's alive and alive forevermore, and he has the keys of death and hell, and because he does, we shall live also. Hallelujah. Christ defeated the emissary of death the devil himself. In Colossians chapter 2, uh, the Bible uh, says it so very powerfully. And I, I, I want to turn there and just, just remind you of what the Apostle Paul says to that small uh, town church at Colossae. In chapter 2, verse 15, listen to what he says. Jesus, talking about what he did on the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, that's talking about spiritual wickedness, that's talking about the work of the devil, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now you remember the Bible tells us that Jesus descended into the heart of the earth uh, and that he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. In, in just everyday language, he went into the heart of the earth and he translated those who were under the covenant of, of blood and covenant of salvation looking for a Messiah under the Old Testament. He led them out of that place that they had been held captive by death and the devil and he brought them into the presence of God. In other words, he translated paradise into the presence of the Lord. And the Bible said when he did that, he led a procession. Now this is a Roman terminology. This is something that uh, we need to understand from the culture. Paul is saying when a Roman conquering general... Uh, overcame his enemies, what he would do is he would get up on his white stallion and he would lead a procession. And that procession would have his soldiers, but behind the soldiers uh, would be all of the enemies and they would be bound and shackled and chained and they would be drugged behind that procession. And what it was, it was simply a way of saying we have overcome our enemies. They are under our shackles. They are under our chains and we are showing you we have spoiled them. We have overcome them and they, the enemy, now knows of the victory of the Roman army. And I'm telling you, this is exactly what Paul is saying. Jesus led a procession out of hell 
Mikhail out of that place of Hades and, and he brought the victory into the presence of God. And when he did, he made an open show of the devil. He made an open show of all the enemies. He made an open show of principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And darkness had to bow their knee to the glory and the lordship of Jesus. And I'm telling you, he has gotten the victory. Christ defeated the emissary of death, the devil, and he has given that victory to you and I. He said, you shall tread upon serpents and scorpions, and I give you power over all the power of the enemy. John writes it like this and said, for this cause was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy, the wicked one. And oh, friend, today Jesus has given us that victory, and death has no dominion over us today. Christ has destroyed the authority of death. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, the apostle tells us that he has abolished death. <laughs> he, he, he has cast it out. And when you come into life, when you get born again, the Bible says God gives you eternal life right then. You start to live eternally. That's one of those things that it's hard for us as human beings to contemplate because we still have to live in this flesh body. But I just want to know when you got, I want you to know today that when you got saved, death began to lose its hold on you. Yes, it's working in these mortal bodies, but the day is coming. The Bible says if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal bodies, just like it quickened his mortal bodies. God has, through Christ, destroyed the authority of death, and we are not victims anymore. We are victims. We are victors. Can you imagine? Death uh, once was a tragedy. Death was a sorrow and a sadness that most human beings could not handle. But I'm telling you today, because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, death is defeated, and He's gotten the victory from the enemy and from death, and now death is turned into a blessedness. Uh, blessed are those who die in the Lord. The Bible tells us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Death for a child of God is just a moving out of one realm into the next. There is no sting in it. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says the strength, the, 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 O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The strength of sin is in the law. And, and the law is what gives power to death. Because the law condemns us to be sinners. Christ has gotten the victory over death and sin. And the Bible says, thanks be unto God who always gives us a victory. What victory? The victory of Christ, which is a victory over death, over sin, over darkness, over every arena and work of the enemy. But thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have gotten the victory. Death has no dominion. Death is defeated. And then finally this morning when we talk about the last tragedy of a world a last tragedy of a world without a resurrection. The Bible tells us that our future would be futile. In verse 19 the apostle says if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most miserable. 
What does that mean? It means if, that, if this is all there is, then this is just bad news. The good times are only for a moment, and life is fleeting. It's going to get worse. There is no alternative to suffering and problems. You're going to get sicker. You're going to have trouble. You're going to get infirm. Greedy maladies, diseases are going to gnaw away at your body. And one by one, you will see your loved ones stripped away by death. Ernest Hemingway, the great author, said it like this. It's as though we are a colony of ants living on one end of a burning log. I mean, you think about the people without Jesus. I mean, what do they look forward to? A hole in the ground. I don't believe you ought to drink and get drunk. <laughs> but friend, I'm telling you, if I, if I didn't know that Jesus was my Savior, I think there would be a reason to get drunk and stay drunk. I'm not recommending that to you, but I'm recommending that you know Jesus. I'm recommending that you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying today that faith will rise in your heart and you will realize that we don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior. And because Jesus is alive, our future is not futile. Our future is favored forever. Our future here and now is secured by the Savior. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm telling you that right now in this world, we have hope. We have hope because God is a faithful Father. He's a wonderful parent who protects us and provides for us. That's why we can live life confidently. We can wake up every morning knowing that His mercies are new and He has given us inventive and created mercies and grace to deal with whatever life dishes out. How come my future is secure? Because I know He parents me, protects me, and provides for me. And my future there, not only here, but my future there is favored forever. My future there is transformational. The, the, the Bible speaks, speaks of the change that's coming. Uh, Job, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, still moved by faith. The great man of God says, I'm, I'm going to my long home, that home that's far away, but I'm heading there. And, and he says, I'm waiting for my change to come. I, I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for my change to come. My future with Christ involves a transformation. It's going to be a transformation of the physical. The Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised, and we shall be changed. This corruptible puts on incorruption. This mortal puts on immortality. Death will be swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Jesus gives us that victory. Change is coming in my physical body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, 
Beloved, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For I am persuaded by the word of the Lord that we shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. First John chapter 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He, Jesus, shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I'm telling you, pain, sickness, sorrow, and death, and dying will forever pass away as God changes us and transforms this physical body into the likeness of His dear sons. We're not only going to be transformed in the physical, we're going to change places. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm telling you, we are going to be transformed from this earth, translated into the presence of God, together with the saints of all ages, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and be wed to Christ, His eternal bride, forever and forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, is the words of the Apostle Paul. Our future here is secured by the Savior. He parents, protects, and provides. Our future there is transformational. We'll be changed in the physical. Our place will change, and we will be perfected. John writes in Revelation chapter 21, and I want to close this Easter service by reading to you what the, the apostle of the Lord saw. And he, he gives us that beautiful passage of Scripture concerning our forever dwelling place. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is what a living Savior does. This is what a resurrected Christ gives to us. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Our future is not futile. Our future is favored and forever. Let's pray. Could we this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to celebrate a living Savior. Lord, I, I praise you that he's alive today, that he rules all things, oversees all things, upholds all things by the mighty word of His power. Lord, it would be a sad world if there were no resurrection. Preaching would be profitless. 
Sin would be sovereign. Death would have dominion. Our future would be futile. But because Jesus is alive, we are saved. Sin is remedied. Death is defeated. And our future is secure. Father, I pray right now for everyone who has been listening and watching. I I pray for them today. If they do not have faith in Christ, that they will come just now and kneel at the foot of the cross. Jesus, save. Save. Give peace in the heart of that troubled soul. Friend, if you're you're listening and watching right now, just pray this prayer with me or say something like it and let your heart go out to God. If If you're not saved, if you know your name's not in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you feel the conviction conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now just to look to the Lord Jesus. If you do, He'll save you. He'll forgive you. Father, I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus, I thank You for what You did on the cross. You did it for me. You did it for everybody, but You did it for me. And I thank You, Jesus, that Your shed blood washes my sins away and that You give me eternal and everlasting life according to the promise that You made. Lord, I confess my sin and I repent of my sin and I turn from them today to serve Jesus Christ. Lord, come into my life and I determine now to live for You all the days of my life. I thank you that your word says, if I confess Christ with my mouth, believe in my heart, believe that God raised him from the dead, that I am saved. And I thank you, Lord, for touching hearts and lives and saving souls this morning. Touch every backslider, every cold and indifferent Christian. Stir their hearts. Let them know Jesus is alive. Let them renew their faith. Oh, Holy Spirit, touch them this morning. And every child of God, Lord, in this COVID-19 moment, in this pandemic of sickness, Lord, so much doubt, so much fear, so much unbelief, so much trouble. Lord, I pray in the midst of it all that a living Savior would be lifted up high. Lord, You are the answer for every need in our life. Help us to be encouraged today to serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you and I praise you. If you've prayed a prayer of receiving Christ as your Savior, I want to ask you this morning, would you do something? Would you, in the next day or so, would you call our church here at First Assembly? Some have done that. We appreciate it so very much. Our phone number is 870-367-5483. If you would just call that number, someone will be glad to take that call. And we'll, we want to hear from you that you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Tell somebody that you've trusted the Lord. Make it public. And then serve God. Be faithful to Him. If you'll call us, we'd love to give you some information and share with you how you can be successful in living for the Lord. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for being a part of this Resurrection Sunday morning service. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. And until we have opportunity to meet you again, 
This is Pastor Glover saying, God bless you is our prayer.